if ever there was something that is the epitome of the digital transformation story, it's fintech. A lot of these platforms, they operate in a bubble. They actually have a lot more control over the world than the world has over the world. This is Pardon the Disruption, week three, pilot episode. Welcome to Pardon the Disruption. I'm your host, Kyle Burt, co-host Frank Rogers. How are you doing this morning, Frank? Hey, doing well. Good morning, Kyle. Awesome. This is our first show, first pilot episode. So we're going to kick it off pretty quickly. This is going to be a pretty fast moving show. This is how the show works. We have a rundown here. We have some topics here on the right hand side of the screen. We're going to go through these topics basically as fast as possible. Keep the show about 30 minutes tops. Are you ready to do this? What are we waiting for? Let's kick it on. So the very first thing, very first topic here is uh, the squid. So I'm going to play this video right here. Let me uh, rearrange this a little bit here. This thing is a warehouse robot. It's pulling these pallets off. It's like climbing. The thing's climbing the rails in these factories, warehouses, and grabbing this stuff instantly. What do you think about this, Frank? It's really great because I think juxtaposed to a video that came out a couple of weeks ago where we saw a a 300-pound robot dancing daintily to some music, this is far less scary and much more utilitarian. And I think it's powerful. I think it's amazing. And a couple of things I think about. One is people think, does this displace workers? Yep, possibly, maybe, probably, maybe not for a bad thing. Like there's been so much displacement over the last decades, right? Several decades of technological advances and everybody has found a new job and maybe a higher paying job as a result. Oh yeah, absolutely. What I, what I think of, we have a lot of these warehouse clients right here in Texas, tons of warehouses here, tons of, tons of these clients. And the thing that was disruptive for them a few years ago was uh, pick to light systems and IOT enabled pick to light systems, meaning the light would turn on and, and the worker would go and they know exactly which aisle, which bin, because the light would turn on based on the order. So it's a right. pick to light. And like that was pretty innovative, pretty disruptive. And if this squid thing takes over, that's it's already done. It's already washed up. And this is the next best thing. Yeah. And it's also a physical representation of what is actually happening in terms of AI and the knowledge-based workforce. And we think that, oh, that's happening out here in a physical sense. Nope. It's actually happening in a virtual sense as well. People will be displaced from jobs, people who are watching things, people are following up on things. AI will be watching. It'll be following up. It'll be making, taking corrective action. And oh gosh, what will humans do? Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. So moving right along, Salesforce Slack. This is this is old news, but we haven't covered it yet, Frank. So Salesforce bought Slack for $27.7 billion. And initially when that first came out, us as we're strategically aligned with Salesforce in a lot of ways, that was, it was, it makes sense, but it's also very confusing. Help us break this down. You've been working with Salesforce for how many years now? Yeah, too many. And in a good way. I love it. Uh, So here's what I'm thinking about this. So first of all, the numbers are big, but I think we're all getting a little bit mesmerized by these huge numbers. And if you look at how much cash is even in the bank with some of these large conglomerates, whether you're talking about Apple, talking about Salesforce, sometimes that's couch money, 27 billion. Here's what I'm thinking. Chatter has been an internal presence tool for Salesforce for a long time, but it's very proprietary unless you're inside a Salesforce. It doesn't really join you to any other applications. And Slack has done an amazing job of being this point for communication across a variety of different applications. And to their to their promise, the way that they've lived up to it is really nobody's been able to surplant them. You've looked at unified communication technologies that have presence, RingCentral has Glip. 
can't compete. You look at other applications that have been out there in the presence world, silenced. It is amazing what they've been able to do. So this is amazingly strategic because now they've brought, they being Salesforce, Slack into their house. And this just creates an even stronger value proposition for using Salesforce. They made a move here to corner the market on presence. Oh yeah, absolutely. And interesting to see how they will actually integrate this into their stack in, in terms of usability and that digital experience. It's lots to be lots to be unpacked there. A lot of uncertainty of how they're going to do it and how they're going to do it in a way that that makes an impact in a way that makes sense to its user base. I tell you one thing it's going to do. It has to do this because in every situation where you've seen this historically, this has occurred. It's going to create some other presence applications that jump up to take that that ubiquitous stage that Slack has owned. And so people will see that as being proprietary with Salesforce. Other CRMs will still look to align with it, but at the same time, you're going to see something new emerge. It's got to, it's got to happen. It's just the law of, of physics here. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. WhatsApp is in trouble again. Uh, WhatsApp, parent, uh, child of Facebook. Facebook and privacy, look, those are two words that just that they don't go together at all. Yeah, right? Facebook and privacy. There's, they couldn't be further apart, it seems. But lo and behold, WhatsApp is facing legal challenge, legal actions in their largest market, which is India. Their largest market they're facing legal challenges based, based on their privacy. Man, Facebook. WhatsApp, all, all these things right now. How do you feel about the overwhelming sense of our privacy is being taken away little by little every single day? And people don't, most of us don't even care. We hardly even acknowledge it. And even if we do, we don't care. Yeah, well, it's part of, it's part of signing up for any application as part of the terms and conditions. You don't read a 50-page a legal document, you accept it. Sometimes you get notifications. And now there's a lot of, of, I think, really good things happening in the mobile world where you can say, yes, I want the camera on, but only when I'm using this app, etc. But I think the number one topic for this year, just from a standpoint of B2B, B2C, all the way across the board, just digital transformation is going to be privacy. And that's why anything that has to do with security applications, and they're going to be leading the forefront in terms of what people are adopting inside of their business and otherwise. It's, I think this sends WhatsApp for the U.S. audience. We text on our phones on the daily, right? Whatever we come with, our Google, et cetera, et cetera, we use that. But the rest of the world is on WhatsApp. <laughs> right. And to say that now India, who's India is multi-billion person population and they're active and they have a voice. They're articulate. That is an articulate country with a lot of brain power and they're chirping about this. I, you cannot, this should be something that we're all taking notice of. Oh yeah. No, without a doubt. It's interesting to see a lot of these platforms, they operate in a bubble of, they actually have a lot more control over the world than the world has over the world. So it's, there's a great level of responsibility there, right? I don't want to give it like a cheesy Spider-Man quote, but yeah, there's definitely a great level of responsibility there. And I think regardless of political differences and all this stuff, I think a lot of people can agree that they need to be a little bit more accountable to their responsibility regardless we're seeing this we're seeing the responsibility to you kyle you know in social we're seeing people duck over into other platforms where there's a sense that they're not being as monitored and they're free to speak like that's one of the things that's been a, a challenge i'm not going to get too much into our, our national psyche but freedom of speech the ability to 
entertain discourse conversations that may be opposing, but the sharing of these views is not something that leads to admonishment. This is part of a, a big subject. Again, privacy, huge for 21. Absolutely. Absolutely. Backtracking a little bit. Arlen says, uh, I've used Salesforce, but not using it to its fullest. Arlen, I think, good morning, sir. I think most people aren't. I would say that 90% of people are not using it, probably even higher than that, Frank. Yeah. I think Arlen, first of all, if there's anything that you can like, take from this conversation and our response to you is that you are in the, the overwhelming majority of people. And so my advice to you is take a turn to Salesforce first to try and solve problems. That's what helped me back when I first adopted that in 2005. And and that became something that not only I worked with, but that I, I helped other people with as well. And, and to this day, we do an awful lot across that stack. And so if you turn to Salesforce as your means of solving a problem, Maybe at first into a spreadsheet, you know, get your head around it, but then you turn into Salesforce and you you modify it, you configure it. You don't have to customize it. There's so many configuration tools. So dig into that and just the act of doing will, will get you into a better position. Hope that helps. Oh, absolutely. So fintech revolution, Frank, we've been seeing this trend for quite some time, but if the fintech revolution is getting stronger and stronger, I, I know you have your own position positions there as well. So there, there's been a flow of articles coming out about this fintech revolution that's been brewing. Want to help us break that down a little bit. What is fintech in your eyes and where do we see this going and what is this leading towards? Yeah, full disclosure, I'm, I'm an investor in fintech in startups. I'm also working with you, Kyle, to help fintechs in terms of their digital transformation. And we're also working with FSI, so traditional brick and mortar financial institutions. If, if ever there was something that is the epitome of the digital transformation story, it's fintech, because it shows that fintech emerges. We have we have a, a catastrophic event like COVID. Brick and mortar is impacted. Click and mortar is now lit on fire. And now you see that the brick and mortars are saying survival is I have to lean towards the digital transformation side. Fintech is I Again, I think it's it's so huge and it's going to get bigger because of people's appetite for being able to access financial markets, cash slash liquidity, all these things at their fingertips and not walk into a branch, sit down with an advisor, even though they there's still a population that that prefers to do that. I'd have to say even across the generations, and this is one of the things that's really powerful here with fintech is that it's really showing that this is not just a gener generational play. This is a, a global, across-generational positioning for businesses. And that's why it has standard financial services on edge. Oh, yeah. Now, so let me, let me read a stat for you here. There are 120 trillion B2B transactions going over check, wire, and ACH today. 120 trillion. Yep. And so what's actually spying here, the article that I'm reading here from, uh, this is from TechCrunch. Basically, it's there's a rise of fraud here with some of these some of these uh, fintech, right? So in the fintech right. revolution, we have to be cognizant of privacy, security, cybersecurity, and, and the rise of fraud that's happening. First of all, I hate to jump in on you here, but that's why they call it revolution, Kyle, and not evolution. Because yes. revolution doesn't come without blood. And so there's blood in the water. There's malfeasance that's at play. Again, security, boom. But at the same time, there's going to be that the evolution where this is all going is digital. Oh, yeah. Now we're already seeing, they're saying here about $3.6 billion in losses from fraud just just in a year, in less than a year already right now. Anyway, moving right along. 
Digital Realty. Let's talk about Digital Realty, the digital realty story. Digital Realty is uh, yet another large brand, a data center brand. They've announced their relocation of global headquarters to Austin, Texas. So, so right here in Austin, Frank, you started a trend way, way back. When did you move from California? Uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. A little over there you 10 go. Years ago. Started and, a trend. Yeah. And it seemed at the time we were, wow, how do we miss it? Are we behind? Did we, did we, did we shoot past the landing? No, we were so far in, in the the startup days. It's amazing what's happening. Whenever you see, and this is, I think, the thing to me that really is more or less a trend in the last, gosh, I think last year, is the fact that you used to see XYZ company is opening up their second office in Austin. Yeah. Now it's, we're moving our headquarters. And they're not moving their headquarters from Topeka, Kansas. Tip of the hat to Topeka, Kansas. Love Topeka, Kansas, but not the epicenter of technology. And so they're coming from San Francisco. They're coming from places like San Jose. People always like talk San Francisco, but San Jose was part of the seed boom of tech. And so they're coming from these places, which are literally epicenter to move to Austin. It's yeah, you know, you, you know what's interesting about digital real estate? Their second major location was downtown Dallas, Bryan Street. They're known for their Bryan Street data center in downtown Dallas. And despite that, they still chose Austin to relocate their global headquarters yeah. instead of Dallas, which is interesting to me, right? It, it um, is. Because Dallas, maybe it's because Dallas is already this highly concentrated data center market. It is. It's one of, I think it is the best data center market in, in the U.S. as far as volume, pure volume. Yeah. And I think, first of all, there's a couple of things. One, they mentioned in the article, it's about cost of living. So we get that. Central location, Texas. Yep. Talent. And that's where you fish where the big fish are. It's a, it's a, it's a premise that's been in many good books and that's what people are doing. They're coming to, they're coming to Austin because that's where the talent is. And they also, there's, let's face it, wronger and different. There's a cool vibe to Austin. It's supposedly where all the cool kids are. And as a result, their people are attracted by that. And so they're coming here. They're going to find out that people need to live literally on top of where they work. Otherwise, it's going to be it's going to be brutal to be able to get there. What's been interesting, Texas period has been slowly but surely over the last 10 years building their data center might. And I think that in the next five years, it will be the, the data center core, that this will be the center for for all of that type of infrastructure in the U.S. And it used to be on the West Coast. It used to be San Francisco, Seattle, Pacific Northwest was really big. Lots of data centers all through there. But now you're starting to see these being centrally located for a whole variety of you know good reasons. But nevertheless, that's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it'll be. I'm only I've only been in Austin more recently, but like you, you've called it Second City, like Second City as in Second Silicon Valley. And there I say it, it'll be interesting to see if it ever shifts to become like. Silicon Valley number one, like it just like it, like if this stuff continues, it yeah. may very well be the case, but that'll have to play out. Backtracking just a little bit here, Raymond says, appreciate you. So he says, but outside of replacing brick and mortar with digital services, is fintech ultimately driving towards a cashless economy? Like yeah. anything to add to that? Yeah, that's just a yes. Yeah, yeah. you called it. You called it for what it is. It, it's been happening, but yes, we're. Here's another thing too, as well on this, Raymond, is that blockchain. Um, as this gets introduced into fintech. But it's not just these fintech companies that are investing in blockchain. You look at the major organizations out there, like a Visa or a Chase or any of these places, they all have huge R&D think tanks that are focused on building blockchain. 
And that's going to be huge. That is doing exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, no, awesome. Awesome. And uh, we're about to get, get into the very last topic. Before we do, guys, this is our pilot episode. This is our first time. So there's been little kinks in the road. We'll work them out as we go through. This is not even, this is episode zero, Frank, not even one. This is episode zero. This is our zero time doing this. <laughs> that they name pilots zero, but yeah, that is the case. We're going to be on Clubhouse immediately after this in about three minutes. So if you're not on Clubhouse, DM us on LinkedIn. We'll get you an invite. I, I, we still have some, but otherwise you can find us on Clubhouse. Go.acordo.io forward slash Clubhouse. We'll be there immediately at the wrap up of this show as well. Frank, on to the, the very last the very last topic. And it's interesting because we, we talked about removing this two seconds before we started. So without further ado, here it is. We're going to reveal it. So free Microsoft Teams voice. This is not a, an infomercial. We're not offering free Microsoft Teams voice. We're talking about something that's happening in our industry right now that is in the telecom side of things. And yeah. there's a provider. I'll let you say the name, Frank, but there's a provider that just announced as of today, starting today, that they're going to be giving away free voice to power MS Teams. Frank, what's going on here? Truly don't know how to read this. I think you can come at it from a whole host of size. Wow, that sounds great to the consumer. Knowing the organization that's behind it, great engineering. Like what the product itself I already know is rock solid. But what does it mean? And is it a bad indicator for them? A bad indicator for other people that are trying to provide the same thing? Does it change the view on voice? Because these are huge infrastructures with lots of capabilities and functionality. So they have value. So like, what does free mean? I, to me, there's one lesson learned early in life is that there is nothing at, that's really free. Everything is bought and paid for, but by somebody, it may not be you. That's yeah. right. Free to you. <laughs> 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 Who's paying for it and why and where is this going? I don't know, but we're going to watch this story. Maybe we follow up on it next week. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's to be noted, like this is from a Gartner rated UCAS provider that has given this away. Now, I'm always a, an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset. I know you are too, Frank, but like I'm trying to try really hard to see this from the abundance perspective. Like on your side, yes, maybe it is like devaluing the core network that's underlaying everything that's making it. Why, why would you choose that over Microsoft's voice directly? There's a slew of benefits. Get out of banjo and start naming off the benefits. There's tons. But to devalue that with this, there's probably an upside play somewhere in there. Uh, there's probably an upside play. And I think ultimately the consumer is driving this behavior and ultimately the, the consumer is going to win here a little bit, but then it's going to, what I think is it's going to get people more into where they need to be, which is cool voice is table stakes. We need to be on developing the voice platform side of things. We need to be on developing the best digital experience. So cool. Here's your voice. Let's focus on the digital experience now. Let's focus on perfecting that, that customer experience to the nines as much as we can. That's a great that's a great point because I think ultimately when you think about things like, oh, voice for Microsoft, there is a little bit of a cobbler's mentality that says, oh, great, connected, job done. This is all just a means to an end. And, and the means to the end is either a better you know, employee experience, a better customer experience, better data management, better centralization, single pane of glass access to engagement. All of these things speak highly of what this is about. And, and listen, let's be perfectly honest. Microsoft is not, it, it is not a telecom. They may buy one, who knows, but they are not one right now. And their voice componentry on the back end, as much as uh, somebody wants to go, ooh, it's got it right here. I'm going to throw this right in. They usually find out later 
maybe not not so good. It's, um, mild, mild, it's mildly functional. Mildly functional. It checks a box. And to be in this scenario right now, at this particular time in 21, Microsoft needs uh, a VoIP connector that has all the attributes of a fully fledged telecom, just so that you're not having to manage the two different interfaces. So it's got to be seamless. And there's a whole host, like you mentioned, there's a whole host of other attributes that make some people's integrations far better than others. In this particular case, this one is pretty good. If you're interested in it, reach out to us independently, DM us, and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. This is evolving. And to your point, Kyle, I like the way you're thinking. It's the same thought about the robot, right? Robot displace. Yeah, it may have displaced. It may have elevated people to other jobs which are better for them and their families, et cetera. Abundance versus scarcity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, what up? Kyle here. Thank you for listening and watching to Pardon the Disruption. If you like what you heard, tell a friend and consider subscribing. Also, if you haven't heard, we launched a VIP text community. We're giving away giveaways, exclusive meetups, and exclusive content in that platform. If you want to join, text the letters PTD to 512-790-7226. Once again, that is PTD to 512-790-7226. Hope to see you in the club.